I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Ken Cruz, who is the co-founder and CEO of Soul Community Planet Hotels also known as SCP Hotels, and I'm absolutely excited to ask him a million questions about the travel industry, but also being an entrepreneur and how he got started and some of the lessons that he's learned along the way. And if you have not visited Soul Community Planet Hotels, you absolutely must, must go. They are so, so awesome. You really get sort of a holistic experience in being able to uh, relax, hopefully. They've based their hotels, a community-based, sustainable, comfortable, and affordable stays. And as I mentioned, Ken is the co-founder and CEO of Soul Community Planet Hotels with his wife as the other co-founder. And prior to launching SCP, Ken was the CEO of Sunstone Hotel Investors SCP currently has eight properties in Colorado Springs, Redmond, Depot Bay, Oregon, Hilo, Hawaii, and two new properties in Laguna Beach and uh, Mendocino Inn and Farm, which I cannot wait to check that out since I'm sort of up in that area. They also own and manage another one in Oregon in Glenedon Beach. And I look forward to hearing more about Ken's journey and also all about the unique purpose give back program that they have as well. So welcome, Ken. Wow, Kara, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Really so glad we found each other. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to start out. What is holistic hospitality? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, my wife, Pam, and I founded Soul Community Planet. We like to go by SCP Hotels, just for the shorter name, uh, back in 2018. And this was after a life spent in the industry where I work for larger companies. As you mentioned, I was CEO of um, Sunstone Hotel Investors, a $5 billion investment trust. Uh, Pam and I both met in graduate school, but we worked together at Marriott International. So we had a great grounding in some of the m- most amazing companies on the planet that comprise the hospitality industry. And hospitality globally is around a $9 trillion economic engine. It's a huge industry globally. Uh, and it's a very mature industry. So over the course of you know several decades of working in the industry, we were uh, fortunate, again, to cross-pollinate with some of the best and the brightest in the industry. But we also found out what is missing in terms of um, an alignment with modern consumers' values and what is being offered when they go on the road. So our general viewpoint when we started the company was, great, let's take what we've learned, what we're good at, or hopefully we're good at, at least we've got lessons learned about it, around running hotels, investing in hotels, and the look and the feel of hotels, but then underpin that from day one with a value system that comports very directly with our own value systems. And simplistically put, we call it healthy, kind, and green. We're focused on wellness, 
social good and community building kindness is that that vertical and then green of course is about uh, the ecology sustainability and and being proactive in developing forms of regenerative travel where people when they travel to a place they actually leave it better than it was before they came from all three of those uh, verticals but particularly as it relates to the ecology and the uh, the ecosystem in which these hotels exist the reason that we formed the company in that way again was it comported squarely with our own core values but it also speaks volumes to a growing um, in fact a very large already component of our population about nine out of ten Americans identify with the label conscious consumer um, and as you work your way down the age cohorts, not only do people identify with that label, but they also act on it. You know, there's the, the do-be gap that we all find in business. You know, people say certain things, but do they really act on it? And what we found is as you get to the lower age spectrum, people are absolutely saying, look, I don't need my Bonvoy points. I don't care about my Hilton Honors system. What I care about is living a conscious lifestyle. And when I travel, I want to make sure I'm staying in a place and being part of an experience that enables me to continue on my own personal journey when I'm on the road, wherever that is. And that's where Soul Community Planet comes in. So we represent a fairly sizable and underserved niche, if you will, in a $9 trillion industry. So we saw that, geez, the total addressable market is really profound here. Um, the big companies aren't doing this in large part because they're oriented around franchising. We, as you said, own, operate, and brand all of our hotels. So we have the, the ability to not only underpin everything we do through that value system, but then we can also um, perpetuate the value system and grow it through what we call our culture cascade so that our culture, uh, which starts at the brand level, but flows through the management company and is reflected in the experience that you get in the physical properties, uh, is something that we can almost maintain a maniacal focus on. And that's not something you can do if your company is specifically oriented around franchising and you kind of come up with a brand, but it has to be oriented around the lowest common denominator of the developer community. And it has to be something that a third party operator can pick up and run. Uh, we do it differently. We try to just, we're going to be small as a result of it, but we try to keep all elements of our ecosystem together in, um, uh, under one roof. How did you, thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too, like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices. Snacks and beverages now, too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part, each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
That's code GOLDEN50 at Factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Get into the hotel industry. I mean, what prompted you to sort of like, what was the magnet? Well, you know, if, if you think, put yourself back in school, right? You go back in, in school and you're trying to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at, what you like to do and everything. And and for me, I, you know, you look around your room and you're like, okay, that's a Rhodes Scholar. That guy's going to go to MIT. That person's going to do there. And you look a little one layer down and, okay, that group of B students, they're probably going to go in real estate in some way. And then you get to the C students <laughs> and we all go into hotels because it's easy to understand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a straightforward business. Um, it's tangible, right? There's a really physical and tangible element to the business where you're helping people. You can get your head around the concept very easily. Um, so for me, it was just sort of, okay, I get this. I don't understand how to build a rocket ship or how to do brain surgery, but I, I understand the hospitality industry and I'm drawn to it. So there was an affinity and a sort of a, a, an alignment of values from day one. Um, studied in an undergrad, worked in a hotel right out of undergrad and learned very quickly 
I'm not one of those special people who's actually cut out to be in a hotel <laughs> serving serving guests. It takes a really, and we're full. We have 350 people on our team who are all so good at that guest experience thing, and they just have a they're wired differently and better, frankly, than I am for that. Um, but I got the experience of working in a hotel and, and learned the nuts and bolts of the business a little bit better uh, before going to graduate school, meeting my wife, and and focusing a little bit more on the finance and the investment side of things. And she focused more on the marketing and the you know the storytelling and the the, the awareness building side of things. Um, that's what led me to. Uh, we both worked at Marriott International, and then I moved over more to the real estate side from there. But it's sort of been a been this progression from day one. I, I knew I wanted to work somehow in the in the travel and tourism industry, and that's just sort, sort of through through trial and error more than anything, figuring out what I like to do, what I'm good at, and what our industry needs. I ended up more on the investment side of things, and then ultimately, you know, took us to to to, to where we are today with a, a new company that's um, covering all the bases: operations, branding, and and the real estate. I read somewhere that you uh, said that you're really focused outside of kind of major cities. For example, you're in Laguna. I mean, not that Laguna isn't a major city, but you're not in LA, right? You're you're right. more focused. Right. Do you believe that? consumers today that are traveling are kind of traveling outside of major cities? Do you still see that kind of happening or? Yeah. I, I mentioned before we got on that we're going through our strategic planning session now. And one of the first elements of our annual strategic planning session is to think through the macro context. What are the what are the emerging themes that are going to shape our industry, not just next year, but for many, many years to come? And first day of the strategic planning, I always go back to last year's prognostications, what are the macro themes that are going to change our industry and how are we aligned to capitalize on those or be protected against them? And there are several macro themes that are leading to people traveling to places that are nature-based, that are wellness-oriented, that are away from the congested cities. You know, a couple of years ago, it was related to just the, 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 the unfortunate the strife that was existing in some of these major urban centers. Um, but there's also, with the closure uh, due to the, the pandemic, People weren't in the offices. Business travelers weren't traveling. Um, and people were realizing they have a great deal of freedom that they didn't perceive existed before the pandemic took hold. And now people have, have kind of embraced that and they're not letting go of it. So people aren't back in the offices. They are working from where they want to work from. And in most cases, it's not in the, the 500 room, you know, um, commercial grade hotel brand x box in the middle of des moines it's you know on the coast of oregon or the shores of hilo or we're soon to be in costa rica and you know those are the places that people are able to work from now it's a beautiful outcome you know of a otherwise very tragic you know pandemic that people have this freedom that didn't exist previously and, and so we're we're oriented to accommodate that um the, the trends in the industry support that super well if you break down the segments of business if you will there's group business there's business transient, we call it. That's the road warriors who, you know, hopefully we never get back to this, where the guy, the folks who get on the plane Sunday night and take the red eye and don't come back till Friday night, you know, hopefully that lifestyle is is largely going away. But a lot of people's identities, my my very own identity, were somewhat tied up in that sort of a lifestyle, young in your career. It's, hey, I'm making things happen. I got to be on the road. I got to be away from my family. Now we realize, no, we don't have to do it that way. So I think the business transient travel has come down somewhat. But what's clearly gone up meaningfully over the course of COVID and it's persisting is that leisure, or we even call it in our industry, leisure, business and leisure mix, where you're getting your business done, you're doing your work, 
but you're doing it from a location that you want to be in. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the outdoor space is is so, so key. I'd be so curious to hear when, I mean, obviously you guys are doing a lot of amazing things, location, as well as everything that you're doing around your give back and providing an environment and you know, it's not the cheapest hotel in the world by any, but it's not the most expensive either based on any of your locations. Yeah. What do you think are the must things that consumers today really want in travel? I always think of it as the hook to get people in, but then once they get to the hotel, I mean, what what do you think are like the must-haves? Absolutely. And um, like there's some fundamentals and then we'll branch out on sort of how do we, you have to address the blocking and tackling the fundamental must-haves, as you said. And then do you distinguish yourself by providing something that's well beyond the expectations of the guests when they come there? But the must-haves, you have to have safety, security. You have to have a sense of trust that you're going to have a very clean and and um, um, utilitarian, if not if not much better, get room that at least you can get a good night's sleep in and you can do your work in the guest room. Um, you have to come to a hotel and know that you're getting good value for what it is that you're paying. It's one of the things that we've done differently. We've done so many things differently as a business. And in many cases, people are like, what are you talking about? You can't do that. You're going to get crucified for it. One of the things we've done differently is we've shifted over that relationship between business and consumer, where we say to the consumer, you decide the price you pay based on the quality of your experience. You don't pay the price up front. We don't tell you, hey, you're going to pay $400 for this stay. Uh, we're going to have a you know reference rate that's based on market rates and what what we believe the market is um, uh, is for those guest rooms. But the guests themselves determine the price they pay based on the quality of their experience, and it does several things all at once. It puts the onus on us to exceed that guest's ex- expectations. It completely flips over this traditional adversarial relationship of the us versus them mindset that ha- that happens in so many different businesses. You walk in, it's just like. Here's my money. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this thing around, and we're gonna ask you for a tip now and do all this stuff. And it's like this odd relationship that we have with businesses that's very transactional, and we flip it over to make it. No, we're all part of the same team. We're all part of the same community. We all share the same value system. That's why you're here. We like to call that on-brand business. You care about wellness. You care about social good. You care about the environment. We sort of have this bohemian, almost hippie vibe to our our properties. And so when people walk in the door, they know it's different. But then when we also say, and you're going to figure out how much your room was when you leave, not based on what we tell you, it completely changes that relationship. And that, to me, that addresses the fun. You ask the question, what's the, what are the fundamentals that people need? People need to know that they're going to get a fair price. And what better way to ensure that people know they're going to get a fair price by allowing them to make that decision for themselves rather than us telling them uh, how to make that decision. The other thing that that helps is, it helps us so that people don't leave upset, right? You go to the four season, the six senses, the risk, whatever it is on down through the spectrum, inevitably during the course of, of, of thousands and hundreds of thousands of guest stays, something isn't going to go right. Having the mechanisms in place to make it uh, easily resolved and addressed beyond the guest expectations is so important. And this, this concept that I'm describing is called fair trade pricing. Fair trade pricing is a very powerful mechanism uh, in that regard. And when you lead with it, you don't get abuses. You, we just don't get people who show up and say, cool, I'm going to give you a nickel for this day and I'll see you in two, you know, I'm going to check out in two weeks. It doesn't happen because that adversarial mindset set is never established in that relationship between us and, and the consumer. So you know, right now it's about 0.5% of revenues 
evokes some level of fair trade pricing. That's that's pretty amazing. I think we can probably do better because we don't have perfect five star scores across the board. I'll know that fair trade pricing is working perfectly when our net promoter scores are all a hundred and our and our um, uh, you know TripAdvisor scores are all five, perfect fives. We're close. <laughs> we're very close, but we're not there all the way. Is any other chain doing what you guys are doing? I've never heard of that. That's wild. And yet, yeah. when you think about you know products like physical goods, uh, the company that I founded, Hint, I mean, you know, definitely there's money back guarantees on products and that your experience is going to be great. But it's like really got me thinking. I mean, there's so many services out there that really aren't that in the hotel industry or the airline industry. I mean, none of that is, um, is doing this. So that's really forward of you. Well, and it's risky, right? And being an entrepreneur, as you know, there's so many risks that you have to take. That's one of the beauties of, of America in general, the capitalistic, you know, mindset that we all have is risk taking is encouraged and, you know, calculated risks and, and measured risks are, are, are in particular encouraged versus just blindly throwing stuff up against the wall and see if it works. And by the way, we've done a lot of that too. But the reason I think that fair trade pricing works is because it's in a context of a whole lot of other non-conforming uh, variables and elements and qualities that that define an SCP hotel versus you know some of the other hotels. And believe me, this is not meant to say that Merritt's doing it wrong or Hilton's doing it wrong or Six Senses is doing it. They're 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 all amazing companies in their own regard. We just we found a way to kind of navigate it in our own channel in our own way. And it seems to be working quite well with with the guests who who are drawn to our concept. Well, to me, it's it says confidence, right? It's it maybe you view it as, you know, risky, but I think it actually says you're willing to bet. Right. And it says a lot of confidence as a founder and and a CEO of a company. So you also have another really cool program. Every stay does good program. Can you share a little bit about that? By all means, yeah. And um, as I said a moment ago, you know, we we defined the company in a way that we felt comported with our core values, um, what we're reasonably good at, or at least experienced at, and then what the world is asking for. You know, if if you can marry up those three concepts and kind of create that Venn diagram and exist in the overlap of all three of those concepts, you can do. You should be set up for better chance of success. No business is ever set up for perfect success, obviously, but you know you help your chances of success. So for us, we looked at the broader industry and said, okay, the industry, the airlines in particular, but hotels as well, and many other industries are driven by this concept of loyalty, right? But the concept of loyalty uh, was an innovation that was developed 30, 35, 40 years ago, principally by the airlines, but adopted by the hotels. And it's these points programs, and you get rewards. And you know, if you're a road warrior in particular, or or, or a person who travels a ton, you're saying, "Great, I'm going to always stay with Marriott, or I'm always going to stay with Hilton because over the course of the year, I'm going to build up enough points. I'll take my family to to Hawaii, and we'll we'll do a trip there. Whatever. It's a powerful mechanism. You also get status within those hotels, and when you show up, and you got to, we all know this, so I don't need to repeat it, but that's powerful, right? But our view is that's that's powerful, but it's also an innovation that's sort of run its course. It's prevalent, right? And in the hotels in particular, it's not nearly as sticky as with the airlines. Like I can't fly on anything other than United because I've been playing it for 30 years and I have this certain thing and I just don't wanna don't wanna lose that. That's powerful. Where we said we're never gonna take over the nine trillion dollar industry, but again, we have tons of room to maneuver. 
if we know that our cohort is the younger end of the spectrum that hasn't built up 2 million Bonvoy points or 5 million Hilton Honors points, and they do care deeply about the values that we stand for, well, we can build, and, and don't take this the wrong way, Marriott or Hilton, but we can build authentic loyalty through an alignment of values. And as I said earlier in the conversation, if we're focused on enabling those conscious travelers to continue on their personal journey when they're on the road and saying, hey, you can come to a place that we know over time has been impacted negatively by over-tourism or uh, in, in an environment where we know that there are desperate needs that businesses can address and you're going to help to be part of the solution. And so therefore, when you leave that destination, that destination is a tiny little bit better than what it was before you came. We all feel better about it. And the psychological loyalty that's built from that type of a program, and we call ours Every State is Good, uh, is powerful. It's real. It's powerful. So, and it, But it's very different from the credential-based point systems that other, other um, hotels are doing. It's just another way for us to kind of put our money where our mouths are, so to speak, and say, yeah, we're, we, we do aspire to be better. One of the things we always lead with is we're never going to be anywhere near perfect. We're always aspiring to do better and find ways to do things differently and better. Um, I always say, like, if a person lives up on a mountaintop in a yurt and makes their own clothing out of hemp and they, they grow, you know, they have their beehives and they're all this stuff, and they show up in our hotel, they're going to give us a list of a hundred things that we can do better, if not a thousand things, right? So we're not going to be at that level, although we're always going to aspire to get to that level. But if at least we can do a few things better uh, every time and have an authentic mindset and a culture that's based on continual improvement, things like every state does good really move the needle for us in terms of just building that authentic loyalty and that appreciation for, okay, you guys are what you are, and I'm going to help you get better. I'm going to help the world get better in the process as well. I always say that, I don't, you're probably familiar, I always tell the story of the, the starfish. I don't know if you've heard the, the no. starfish parable. It comes down to this idea. It's basically a way to describe this reticence to do even a little bit for the good because the, the need is so profound. And we deal with a lot of groups who are heavily immersed in dealing with the needs. You know, we work with this group called Global Optimism, for example. And the folks who work and volunteer in Global Optimism are some of the least optimistic people I've ever met, <laughs> largely because they're dealing with such a weighty topic of global warming. And how do you do this? How do we reduce this trend on global warming? It's, it's a very, very weighty topic. And so because of that, a lot of people say, geez, I can't possibly make a difference, right, with that. Why should I even start? Well, the story of the, the starfish is that Laguna Beach here, we're standing here, there's a big storm. And one, one morning after this huge storm, you look up and down miles of beach, and there are all these starfish that have been washed up on shore. And a man is wa walking his dog, and he looks up, and he sees a small child bending over, throwing something into the water, and then continuing on, walks forward, bends over, throws something back into the water. The man comes up to him, and the child is picking up one starfish at a time and throwing it back into the water. And the man says, boy, what are you doing? Look up and down the beach. You cannot possibly make a difference. Look at all the millions of starfish that have been washed up on the shore. And the boy looks at the man and looks back down at the ground, looks back at the man, picks up a starfish, throws it in the water and says, well, I made a difference for that one. And that's, what we, that's how we think about things. Each and every one of us can have a small little ripple effect we can make a small difference in the world. And oftentimes when you do that, when you take that initiative to make a small positive difference in the world around us, it inspires others to do the same thing. And pretty soon that ripple grows into something that's far more profound than just a ripple. And trust me, we're not here to save the world or you know, do the, the entire, save every single starfish. 
But at least if we take one step in the right direction every day with every decision that we make, ultimately, the difference that we make will be real. If you bring that back to the Every State is Good program, one of the verticals that we support is planting trees. And a lot of companies plant trees, right? We're a tiny little company. We've only been around for a couple of years. Every time a guest stays at our hotel, we plant one tree through this amazing group called One Tree Planted. We, we orange with them because they're super scientific. They really understand you know, where to plant, when to plant, how to plant. If I went out there and did it, I would plant a tree and it would be dead a week later. Uh, I would also probably go to a place that's, part, you know, forest fires, for example, are part of the natural ecosystem and plant trees there. And they're like, no, no, that's part of what happens. You don't do, we go over here where man-made activ- man- mankind's activities have had a negative impact. They plant trees and they really succeed. And over a 40-year life of one tree, that tree can sequester over a ton of carbon on average. Yeah. One ton of carbon for one tree. So for every guest, we plant one tree. Well, even as a small company to date, we've planted over, Pam just gave me the notes, it's 104,000 trees. I'm sorry, 113,000 trees. That's amazing. Today, we haven't even gotten started. So, you know, it'll be a million and then a hundred million and a billion trees over time. That's a lot of trees, but it starts with just planting one tree. And every the, every every element of SCP kind of uh, SCP's Every State is Good program goes in that, in that regard. Well, and I think that that becomes part of your brand and the consistent brand and why people want to continue coming back over and over again. Plus, it's a great experience when, when they're there. Yeah. Uh, so the pandemic was super challenging, obviously, for companies in every single yeah. industry. Uh, you and I were briefly touching on the fact that I think it really challenged leaders. It challenged entrepreneurs. It sort of separated the great entrepreneurs from the uh, okay entrepreneurs, people who could pivot and uh, kind of see around corners and make predictions, take risks, et cetera. I'd love to hear about, you know, an experience that you had, because obviously, you know, you had worked for large hotels or been on boards or invested. You had seen a lot of the big ones, but this one's your baby. It's a lot. The whole concept of fear of failure, I'm sure, you know, hits yeah. you in the head too. Like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? So I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear kind of one of the things that happened along the way that sort of, you know, was challenging and how you got through it and what you took away. Absolutely. And first off, you're absolutely right. The, the pandemic, obviously, it's, it's a factor that we don't control, but we all learn as business people. You don't spend time worrying about factors that are outside of your control, but you sure as heck better understand the implications of that exogenous factor and adjust course appropriately based on it. Um, the pandemic, and now you and I were talking before we got on about the contemporary uh, recession that it appears that we're in and potentially is going to be a very deep recession uh, over the next year. We're adjusting course based on that. Um, the pandemic actually gave us an opportunity to gain grounds. Um, as you mentioned, and as we talked about during the pandemic, travel was curtailed significantly across the U.S. As businesses were closed, people obviously weren't getting on airplanes. When business in general slows down, even if you're allowed to get on airplanes, uh, it's very easy to cut travel budgets. And so people weren't traveling to those commercial hotels. But what they were doing, as we said, that they're going to places with their family where they can spend two weeks or three weeks instead of two days. And, um, and enjoying that natural environment. So for us, we saw an opportunity to double down on those nature-based properties, the Salishan Coastal Lodge in Oregon, which is just such a beautiful nature-based destination on this spectacular coastline and so on. And we realized that we'd probably, um, if, if you want to talk about a failure and a lesson learned, I would, I would touch on two. One of the things we realized is that 
originally we were oriented around vintage motels. Our Colorado Springs property is a vintage motel. There's thousands and thousands of vintage motels in the U.S. that are that are on good street corners, but haven't been reinvented, or, or maybe they're associated with the wrong brand and they're rate limited as a result. So our whole idea was we'll do Soul Community Planet in uh, adapt- adaptive reuse of vintage uh, motels, which works reasonably well. But we found out over time that the cost um, required to SCPFI a hotel to create the core elements that we have and and, and to drop in the, the infrastructure, we do huge solar arrays, we do water saving uh, structures, we do uh, all EV chargers, we do uh, living walls and, and all this really cool stuff. Well, it costs a lot of money to do all that. There's typically a really good ROI, but if you're in an environment that's highly competitive and you're catering mostly to people who are just there because of price, ultimately you just can't build the business around that. Um, it's very ha- hard to achieve true economic um, sustainability as a result. So big failure, and I don't mean to call Colorado Springs a failure, but it was a lesson learned for sure um, that we realized, no, we have to go to these more boutique hotels, um, nature-based destinations, like where I am here in, in Laguna Beach is a perfect example, sort of nature-based and, and boutique, um, higher price point. So we originally, as you said, came in and said, let's make it really accessibly priced was the terminology that we used. We're still very accessibly priced, but it's on the upper upscale end of the spectrum. So 300 average daily rates versus, I mean, we were just in New York and it's $1,100 a night. And you go to some of the places that we've been looking in Costa Rica, it's $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a night. Um, So we are still very attractively priced for the quality of the experience and the accommodations and the locations. But the lesson learned in Colorado Springs was we just can't really succeed at that price competitive lower end of the more commoditized um, spectrum. Another really important lesson learned, if I can if I can share share another idea, yeah. last year when we were at our strategic planning session, I love to throw out you know lofty <laughs> objectives and then say, okay, let me know how it goes. Kind of a thing. I throw out the good ideas and or, or the ideas. I won't even say they're good, and let and and then we all try to execute together. But most of that burden falls on a, on an incredible team that we have. Last year we established something called raise the bar. So we knew that SCP was distinguished already with what we do, but we never want to be sort of average and we never want to revert back to the mean in our industry. So we came up with some concepts that support who we are, that tell our story for us, and that are very difficult for others to follow suit. One of the elements of Raise the Bar was full plant-based menus. And we've been working with some some folks out of LA, a woman called Lauren Rashtap is who's incredibly talented. She's actually coming here tonight to do a, a menu presentation for us. And we developed this beautiful plant-based menu. Uh, lesson learned on that one though, we, we rolled it out quickly once we had the experience, the look, the feel, and the menu together. We rolled it out. But what we failed to do was draw an on-brand business to come dine in those restaurants. There's a ton of people who love that kind of dining experience, that kind of food. There are way more people who, who say, no, I, I'm going to have a burger tonight. I want a steak. I want whatever. And there's no judgment whatsoever against that. But when we're trying to say, hey, try this, it's phenomenal and it's really good food uh, to somebody who wants a steak, you don't. If somebody wants oranges, you don't give them apples. And we we rolled that out, and we got so many letters right away from these you know long term loyal customers. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're giving us plant you know rabbit food here. We need steak. We need fish. We need this. And um, my initial reaction to that was, okay, wait a minute, we've gone too far. We've got to course correct back. Um, and then Pam and others on the team both all said, no, we don't. We're not talking to the right people. And if we react and modify our business based on the feedback of folks who are not on brand, then we're going, we're 
destined to fail. We're destined absolutely to revert back to the mean, and we're going to look just like everybody else who's out there. So the lesson learned in that case was you've got to put the proper sequencing in place. You've got to make sure we are selling oranges to people who want oranges and not trying to force them on people who are looking for apples. And that was a very powerful lesson. We did dial back the process in, in, um, in favor of making sure the funnel and the outreach was appropriate so that the right people are coming in. And when we get the right folks who get it, who are coming in, they just love it. And, and it's working. Just gotta, you can't rush it too, too, too quickly. That was a very powerful lesson. So interesting. So last question, what is the best advice that you've ever received? Oh, I love this question. Okay. And I love the way you interview too, because you just throw stuff out there. Too often people say, here's, the, here's 20 questions, get ready for it. You're just like, let's go. Random, I'm going to drop a right? hammer on you. Um, the best advice that I've ever received. So when we first, and there's so much I could choose from, but this popped in my mind immediately. When we first formed Soul Community Planet, if you think about our industry, I've been in it, in it for a long time. My wife has been in it for a long time. We know it's kind of an incestuous industry, just like many of them are. We're at one of our major... Uh, investment conferences. And a guy came up to me that I know and respect a great deal. Um, and he comes up to me and, and we'd been at this conference and everybody's like, wow, love your concept. Love the brand. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's the hospitality industry in general. We're always complimentary of one another. This guy's the opposite. <laughs> he goes, Ken, what the hell are you doing? The world does not need another hotel brand. There's 170 recognized brands in the US. Why on earth would you ever form another brand uh, in our industry? And while he wasn't intending to give me advice, he was really intending to, to say, you're an idiot. <laughs> I took that as advice, not only as advice, but as a challenge. The world absolutely does not need another hotel brand. The world absolutely does need better hotel brands. Hotel brands that align with the values and the lifestyles and the journeys that conscious consumers are on everywhere but they're not being met when they get on the road. And so I just thought, thought it was sort of the best advice. And it was unintended advice, but it, it really, maybe as a competitive person, it really spurred me on to do even more and to prove him wrong that in your mind, the world doesn't need an SCP. In my mind, what you just said proves that the world absolutely does need SCP. Yeah, I think that the challenge with people who are not visionary entrepreneurs is that they're the critics, right? They're the doubters, yeah. I call oh, them. Yeah. So you have to be able to keep going. Um, you're going to hear them. And then he'll be the one that will say to you, I always knew you could do it, right? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those, are, those are the ones that I love. You know, the people yeah. I left tech to start a beverage company that was, yeah. you know, really my own focus on, on health and getting rid of, uh, sweeteners in my water. And, uh, yeah. the number of people back when I was starting saying, I have no idea what you're doing. This is really stupid. Why are you doing it? But now those are the people that probably half of them actually remember telling me it was a stupid idea. The others tell me, oh, I always knew that you would be successful. <laughs> right. It was uh, pretty funny. So anyway, well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you, Ken. And definitely all the info for all of the hotels will be in the show notes, but you nice. must, must, must get it out to Soul Community Planet. Like I said, the website will be in there. Uh, maybe Ken and his wife Pam will be on property somewhere yeah. to kind of share a little bit more too. Yeah, somewhere. absolutely. And you, I would like to just say too, you don't know this, but you've been an inspiration to me for a long time. I mentioned I heard you on uh, how I built this a long, long time ago. And 
your story just stuck with me and that you pivoted from one industry to another. You created this in a very crowded, highly competitive space, not distinguished, not, not dissimilar from what we have in the hospitality industry. And to, to hear your story and to know it, I mean, that's been a, certainly a beacon for me uh, for a long time. So thank you. It's an honor to be on your podcast. And it's, it's like a dream almost to be oh. able to talk to you. So thank you. Wow. I didn't even know that was coming. So that was like Happy. such a, you can be on here anytime, Ken. So anyway, well, nice. thanks, thanks, Ken. Have a great rest of the thank week. You. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. Please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Golden.